Sports, politics, life. Back Nine Development presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Online at backninedevelopment.com. Everybody's calling the Chiefs-Eagles Monday Night Football the game of the year, but pardon me if I'm having a little trouble hyping this one as the game of the year. And maybe we all just got really spoiled really fast as Chiefs fans who certainly play a lot of games bigger than this one, and there will be bigger games down the road than this one. I understand what everybody's saying. They think, okay, it's a Super Bowl rematch. These could be the two best teams in the NFL again. The two best records are facing off. Here we go. It is great fun, wild entertainment, but because it's AFC versus NFC, it actually has less implication for the losing team than it would any kind of a conference foe or certainly in a division foe. I love this game. Don't get me wrong. I can't wait to watch it. In the end, it will be a footnote in the 2023 season. Somebody's going to win a regular season game and it will help them. These two teams are right now heavily favored to be the one seeds in the AFC and the NFC when the postseason comes around, but in the end, what it's going to be is a footnote that somebody won this game back then, and should they play again in the Super Bowl, which, by the way, is very unlikely. Super Bowl rematches are incredibly unlikely. It's incredibly unlikely that this would happen, that the Chiefs and the Eagles will play in the Super Bowl again this year. I'll take it. If we can sign up for it, I'll take it. But if that happens, there'll just be a footnote. Hey, remember that Monday night game just before Thanksgiving, and this happened and that happened? It won't really be relevant the first week of February. Because football teams evolve. And that's what this game is about to me. I obviously want to see the Chiefs win. And I think the Chiefs will win. But I'm going to give you a different reason than anyone else. I like the fact that, you know, we know Andy Reid's record off of a bye week. The Chiefs have had 15 days between games and all these different things. But it seems like to me, watching the Chiefs play, that they're at 7-2. and two, then they started 0-1, so they're really 7-1. They won 7 out of 8. They lost that first game to the Lions. I think when I think of the Chiefs, I, I, I'm ready to see the improvement that we see every year. And it's been very consistent in season. A football season, I, I'm not going to use the old cliche that it's some sort of a marathon or whatever, but it's an evolution. The season is an evolution for every team. Some teams quit and go home, and maybe we're seeing some of that with the New York Jets and some of the bad teams that look like maybe they've just packed it in and it's over and everybody knows it and they're pointing fingers. The Los Angeles Chargers certainly have some of that in them. But I can sit here and point at a host of teams over the last week or two that we have seen in some fashion do something unexpected and turn the corner. The first and most obvious is the Denver Broncos, who have the longest winning streak in football right now. They have the longest winning streak in the NFL. Current winning streak right now, the Denver Broncos. They're back to, what, 500? They're in the playoff race. They've got a chance to be a wild card. The schedule isn't crazy. They're done with the Chiefs. Russell Wilson leads the NFL with 19 touchdowns and four interceptions. Nobody talks about that. That's the best ratio of a quarterback in this league. Denver has clearly, after giving up 70 70 points to the Miami Dolphins, they've clearly turned a corner and figured out who they are and how they win. Are they exciting? No, they're not. It's a little painful to watch their offense. They're plodding old school, Marty Ball kind of team that's figuring out who they are, becoming the best version of themselves, and maximizing that. It's really easy to point at them for that. The Dallas Cowboys, the knock on the Dallas Cowboys is when they play good teams, they don't win. When they play everybody else, they pound them. That held form again this weekend. 
They pulled away from Carolina in the second half of that game and blew them off the field. But you can see the Dallas Cowboys offensively becoming something that they really haven't been. They just, they, they've got something good going and they're improving as they go and they figured it out. The Buffalo Bills, it was only one game. Uh, certainly only one game, but my God, they just looked fantastic. We saw what the Buffalo Bills can be and that was really only one game yesterday. But it was against a Jets defense that is outstanding. And maybe, again, the Jets have quit, but maybe, just maybe, Buffalo's turning the corner and figuring out a little bit more about what they are. And for them, it's pretty simple, limit the turnovers. And when Buffalo limits the turnovers, they're certainly difficult. Nobody's watching the Houston Texans. They win again. This one was was gritty and hard fought. They didn't blow the Cardinals out of the building. And in this game, C.J. Stroud, their rookie quarterback, had some negative play that he really hasn't had over the last month. He threw three picks in this game. One of them was more of a, uh, like a uh, arm punt, I guess you could call it that. But he made a couple of just ridiculous passes and throws for touchdowns, and they won the game 21-16. They win by five, and I don't care if you're playing the Arizona Cardinals or not. If you're Houston and you're becoming good, and right now Houston is in the playoffs in the AFC, they've clearly figured out who they are from the beginning of the season. This is an evolution for the Houston Texans. They're becoming who and what they are. But our Kansas City Chiefs, they've kind of been the same all year. If you go back to the opening game, we were frustrated by the offense. There was no real weapon to throw the ball to. The Chiefs don't have a, I mean, do the Chiefs have the worst start? I mean, we, we like Isaiah Pacheco, but, you know, it's a little bit like we like some Royals players that can play defense sometimes. You know, we just like those guys even though we know they're not really great. Is Pacheco a great running back? No. Does he get some tough yards sometimes? Yes. What do the Chiefs have? They have Patrick Mahomes. They have Travis Kelsey. They've got a pretty expensive offensive line. They've built this line thinking it's going to be great. But they really have Patrick Mahomes. The evolution of this team is figuring out the receiving core. The Chiefs are not going to be a lineup and run the ball kind of team. They clearly struggle in short yardage situations, and they're not. I don't think they're going to fix that this year. They're not going to let Mahomes quarterback sneak like everybody else in the league is doing. Andy Reid is not going to do that. He's going to stand pat on that. Now, he may in the playoffs. There may be a point somewhere in the postseason where you do that and your season's on the line, but he's not going to do that in the regular season. He's not going to risk his quarterback and do that. It's already dangerous enough to be Patrick Mahomes because he scrambles and runs around for first downs and takes plenty of shots the way it is. So where is the growth? Where does it come from? Well, you'd like to say familiarity with the receiving core. You know, Kadarius Toney's been here over a year now. Sky Moore should be maturing into a better player. But the obvious key to the Chiefs offense to me is Rasheed Rice. This is a bigger receiver. He's a little more physical. He's a little bit like a player in basketball that can that is, you know, not as tall as the guy that he plays against or quite as big, but he's really good at boxing you out and using his body to either set a screen or get a rebound or whatever it might be. That's Rasheed Rice, and the Chiefs should be able to do that. He's also had a couple of flashes we've seen when he catches the ball, the yards after catch, he's got a burst. He's, he's not Tyreek Hill, but he's got a burst that it doesn't look like the other receivers have. So to me, that's it. And after you've played more than half your season and had your 15 days, your bye week, okay, a natural progression is for Rasheed Rice in the second half of this season to really turn it up, to no longer be a rookie. I'm tired of hearing that he's a rookie or was a draft pick or whatever. He's been here long enough. 
He's been through it all. He's had plenty of reps with the homes. It's time to turn the thing up. If he's going, look, there's plenty of players in this league that if you're going to be a baller, it shows in your first year. Like we can sit around here and wait on Sky Moore all we want. I think Sky Moore is, is McCole Hardman. I mean, they, these guys are NFL caliber players, but they're not stars. We'd see it. If Rasheed Rice is going to become a legitimate number one receiver with the Kansas City Chiefs in the NFL, we're about to see that over the next few weeks. Now, is tonight the night? We can look at the Eagles' defense and say the Eagles have a terrific defense here, and they do have a terrific defense. They rank very high. I think they're seventh or eighth in the NFL. But their pass defense is not good. They're fifth worst in yards allowed, and they've given up the third most touchdown passes in the NFL. So the Eagles' secondary can be had. The Eagles have a great pass rush. They have a tremendous pass rush. But remember in the Super Bowl when the Chiefs put 38 on them and Mahomes was hobbled around with a busted-up ankle? Remember that game? Mahomes dropped back in the Super Bowl against the Eagles 34 times, and the Eagles got zero sacks. 34 dropbacks, no sacks. My guess tonight is they will send extra pressure and there will be blitzing. That their goal is we're going to hit Mahomes, we're going to get him to the ground three or four times, and if he beats us on a throw or two, he's going to beat us on a throw or two. Now, the way you beat him on that blitz is the little slants to Rasheed Rice and hit that seam and go. And that secondary doesn't tackle very well, and they've given up a lot of touchdowns, and I could see Rasheed Rice with a 50, 60, 70-yard touchdown in this game tonight where the pass is maybe only 12 yards downfield. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that explosion out of Rasheed Rice. I don't need him to run 50 yards downfield and throw it 50 yards downfield. I mean, I'll take it, but that's not really what he is. He's a guy that beats you off the move, can create a little bit of space, and then bust away from you because he's big enough to not just get tripped up. So that's the number one thing I'm looking for in the second half of the season is the development there. So the Chiefs have the Eagles tonight, and we'll call it the game of the year. I'll go with that because everybody else is. But then you've got a whole bunch of teams that aren't in the playoffs. Like the Chiefs don't have one game left after tonight against a team in the playoffs currently. Not one. They have the Raiders twice, the Packers, the Bills, the Patriots, the Chargers, and the Bengals. Now those games sound a lot harder than they are. We're talking about teams that are not in the playoffs. As the schedule breaks right now, the only team left for the Chiefs that they play the rest of this year that is in the playoffs is tonight, the Philadelphia Eagles. And I don't buy, this is a measuring stick. I mean, this is a team that you've beaten. This is a team that you beat in the Super Bowl. There's no measuring stick. The Chiefs are the measuring stick. I don't really like hearing that. We've heard Trent McDuffie talk about that. We have something to prove as a defense. Well, that's different than saying, hey, this is our measuring stick. It's the Eagles. Saying you have something to prove after giving up all those yards and all those points in the Super Bowl is a different thing entirely. And I'll allow that. I'll listen to that all day long because the Chiefs did play some sloppy defense in that game. But... I'm watching a lot of teams in this league kind of turn the corner, and this is the time of year. And the Chiefs have done this. Remember the year, uh, the first Super Bowl, they lost badly to Tennessee, and then what the Chiefs win? Nine straight to win the Super Bowl? So at that point, there would have been six games left in the regular season, and then they won three in the postseason? Okay, they just, they turned the corner, man. And they turned the corner from the depths of playing really poorly. The Chiefs have gotten away with poor play and won games this year. That's the remarkable part. They've done that largely because their defense is so good. It's not a great run defense. Chiefs rank near the bottom in run defense. And maybe Jalen Hurts running the ball tonight is where the Eagles are going. If I'm the Eagles, I'm probably going to try to run clock, keep Mahomes on the sideline, run the football, use Jalen Hurts in the run game. 
That's where I'm going tonight if I'm the Eagles. I'm going to shorten this game and keep it lower scoring. I don't want to get in a shootout with the Chiefs. I just don't. They did that in the Super Bowl and they lost. So we'll see where it goes, but this is the time the teams turn the corner, that they improve, that they start to look better. And for the Chiefs offense, that's going to include way fewer turnovers in the second half of the year, way fewer penalties. And with just a little bit of luck, better short yardage offense, that they'll come up with something. Somebody, some way, will become the short yardage guy, and the Chiefs will be better on third and one and fourth and one when they take those chances. That's what I'm looking for in this Chiefs-Eagles game tonight. This is going to be fun. They're calling it the game of the year. We know better than that. There will be a lot more important games than this one, but just from an entertainment standpoint, this is going to be great. And the weather, I mean, come on. We're in the 40s here today, rainy November football in Kansas City. This is just fantastic. All right, quite a weekend of college football. Kansas State beats KU in the Sunflower Showdown. That is 15 straight. That is 15 straight. Of course, the game is next year in Manhattan. Um, and you know you don't know who's available and what the teams look like and all that next year, but it, it looks like it's going to be a while again before Kansas beats K-State. This was their chance. This was it. This was their best chance. Even with Cole Ballard at quarterback, this was their shot. The place was alive. The students got in there early, way before the game. KU is better. Kansas had an 11-point lead in this game. And the headline for me in this game is, this was K-State, KU, basketball in reverse. That's exactly what this is. Kansas State has won 15 in a row. That's complete dominance in the series. Most of them very lopsided. This one wasn't, but it could have been. It started like it was going to be. And then Kansas, to their credit, made some really nice plays and good stops and their defense. We talk about turning the corner the biggest difference in Kansas as this season has gone on has been their defense. The biggest improvement for Kansas as the season has gone on has been their defense. And yardage-wise, they limited K-State. Now, K-State took advantage of some short fields and put 31 points on the board. You're not going to argue with 31 points. But KU is just like K-State in basketball when they play KU. There have been numerous games through the years. Kansas has owned this series forever now. Kansas State has won some games. They won one last year, right? They've won some games. But for the most part, when K-State has played KU well, and there's been a million of these at Bramlage, K-State will have like a five-point lead with eight minutes to go, and you're like, oh, my God, this is the one. And then KU wins 87-80. You know, they run out the last eight minutes of the game, with you know, a 12 or 16-point advantage or something like that over the last eight minutes. They close. And I've always said about Kansas basketball and Bill Self as their coach. What makes them so great is 40 minutes is just too long for the opponent. The game is too long. That ultimately the way Kansas plays, for the opponent, the game is too long. We saw that with Kentucky when Kansas beat Kentucky last week. That's exactly what happened. If that's a 30-minute game, Kentucky's out of there. And they've got the win. The game is too long for the opponent. Over time and over enough possessions, Kansas doing all the right things is going to get you. Even when they have bad shooting nights, it will even its way out. Even when, in that case, Kentucky was just on fire in the first half, made nine three-pointers. The game's too long. It was going to even out. And Kentucky missed a whole bunch of threes in the second half, and KU won the game, even though it looked dire. That's what this was for K-State. That's what this was. K-State went out and played pretty simple football. 
we're going to do a whole bunch of little things. In the end, their trademark, K-State's trademark under Chris Kleiman, is exactly what you saw in the closing minutes of the game. They went down with a veteran quarterback, took the lead, okay? Behind Will Howard, took the lead. Still like 10 minutes to go. KU busts out a five-minute drive, gets down to the 11-yard line, and K-State's defense makes a goal line stand. They put KU into a fourth down situation and get the interception. They did it against TCU last year to win the Big 12 championship, a four-play goal line stand. This is Chris Kleiman's calling card. Short field defense is way different than open field defense. K-State's really good at it. And in the end, K-State made two really big special teams plays. They got a fumble recovery on a muffed punt. They blocked an extra point for a two-point conversion. Over 60 minutes, those things add up. You obviously, if you're Kansas, look at the game and think you blew it. But here's the deal. Kansas is still the team that's going to muff a punt or get a kick blocked or some of these little things that they don't take care of. It seems like a really small thing to correct. It is not. Kansas football is about their schemes, even their defensive schemes. Their their coaches are brilliant at scheming. To this point, this is the only knock on Lance Leipold and his staff. To this point, they have tried everything with special teams to keep from having negative plays, and they haven't been able to do it. Now, I'm not there every day, so I don't know. But my guess is they spend so much time working on and coordinating their offense and their defense that they don't spend the proper time evaluating how to play special teams, the personnel, when to say, hey, just let the ball bounce, don't even field it, things of this nature. And that's, there's a lot of that is coaching. You don't go running full bore at a punt that's in front of you that's going to hit at the 50-yard line and set you up in great field position and then not catch it. It's bad strategy. Just let it bounce. Don't go running full bore for the punt. That's a harder catch. Everybody knows it. These seem like small things, but Kansas hasn't gotten those covered yet. And in the end, the game was too long for KU. They had their 11-point lead. It looked great. I'm getting videos. My wife and her friend at the game, they're taunting me and my buddies. I got some buddies over here at the house watching the game. And Jessica and her friends at the game, and they're sending us videos. Ah, yeah, 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 the whole thing. I'm like, there's a lot of time left here. I've seen K-State play a lot of football. There's a lot of time left in this game. And K-State played solid, clean football where Kansas did not. Game was too long. Uh, Will Howard finished with two touchdown passes and a run to win it. It's probably his last game against Kansas. I I don't know what's going to happen at quarterback next year with K-State. Obviously, Avery Johnson's going to be taking over. And Will Howard, I think, still has another year. Does he transfer? Does he go pro? What does he do? I don't know. Kansas was brilliant in their use of Devin Neal. As a quarterback, as the Wildcat in this game, 138 yards rushing. Cole Ballard was okay. He threw a couple of picks, but he was okay in this game. Um, it was it was it was just a typical K State kind of grind it out win, and they get Kansas. Uh, Kansas is playing basketball on Monday night against Chaminade. They're out in Hawaii for a tournament. K State got drilled on Sunday. This is not looking good for K State and Missouri. We're going to get to Missouri here in a moment. But my goodness, K-State was just getting, they wind up losing 91-83 to in the worst final score of any game I've seen this year. K-State was down 24. I mean, they were just getting drilled by Miami in uh, the Bahamas. It was unwatchable. 
Nigel Pack, the former Wildcat, had 28 points in this game for Miami. He hit seven three-pointers, was the MVP of the tournament against his former team. Miami's good. They're 5-0. and K-State falls to 3-2, and two and they don't look good. They don't look good. They got another overtime win the other night um, in the first round of this tournament, which somehow Jerome Tang is 6-0 and in overtime games. Look, they were 26-11 and last year. They're 3-2 and two this year, so that'd be 29. He's 29-13 and 13 at K-State. Six of the, he's 6-0 and in overtimes. If they give up one more point in those six games, he's 23-17. and 17. All right, so when I say a game is too long, I'm wondering if, the, if we're, we're starting to see the, the clock, the season is too long for Kansas State. Eventually, the really great fortune they had last year, and they had a couple of guns now, they had a couple of dudes, as they like to say, in Manhattan, uh, eventually that good fortune runs out. And I'm wondering what kind of team this is going to be. They're picked sixth in the Big 12. I think right now, if you're K-State, you'll take sixth in this conference. And from what I can see with what they've got this year, I'd take sixth right now and run with it and hope it got me into the tournament. Missouri loses to Jackson State. We're going to get to Missouri's football game in a moment. Missouri loses to Jackson State, and this is just inexplicable. Jackson State was 0-5. 0-5. Jackson State scored, well, they won the last minute of the game 8-1. to They finished on an 8-1 run, including a bucket with five seconds left to beat Missouri. This one's going to leave a stain. Okay, that's when you wind up, you're a bubble team or something. At the end, they'll go good wins, bad losses. There's your bad loss. Jackson State at home, their only win of the year. They were 0-5, and they beat Missouri, and Mizzou's got problems. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to like Dennis Gates and Jerome Tang, and everybody's excited around that. But my God, how bad is this start for these two? Some sheer ugliness we've seen out of Missouri and out of Kansas State. But there was nothing ugly about the Brady Cook to Luther Burden 4th and 20 pass on Saturday night. That was an absolute thing of beauty. And the Missouri Tigers, I thought they were going to win this game pretty easily. I, I didn't know that Florida had much fight left in them. Like, I thought they were just going to be pretty much checked out at this point. And Florida was not. And we we forget sometimes that Florida recruits at a very high level, and they've got great athletes and great players. And they came, and they played a spirited game, and they did a lot of nice things defensively. And it was a hell of a football game. It was just a, a hell of a game. And if you're Florida, you want to talk about a bad feeling. Fourth and 20, and almost every college coach does this, they rushed three. And Brady Cook just stood there. And here's my problem with rushing three, especially in college, when it's fourth and 20. It seems good on paper. We got eight guys back. But what you're basically saying is, we're going to give the quarterback all day to throw. We're just not going to give up a touchdown right here. No, fourth and 20s where you say, we're not letting you get 21 yards. If you bring the house there, no receiver has long enough to get 20 yards downfield. Cook would have to get rid of it before anybody got past the marker. But Luther Burden, he's running about three-quarter speed, man. He's just trotting down to a spot where he turns around and squats, and Brady Cook puts it right in there. I mean, it was a thing of beauty for Missouri. But, I mean, he could have had a cup of coffee and a croissant back there. He had so much time to throw on that play. Florida botched the defensive call on that play. But that's not... One play isn't the difference of a game. Missouri kept itself in position to win the football game. Then they made a hell of a play. And at that point, you're thinking, Harrison Mevis, and what's it going to be? And it didn't have to be a long one. 
Missouri get a couple more plays. They get down there, a 30-yard win, and the second he does, he does the gator chomp. Harrison Mevis had himself a couple of nice kicks in Columbia this year to beat Kansas State and beat Florida, and he did the gator chomp after this one. This is This was one of the most remarkable wins in Missouri history. It will look better as the years go by because the name Florida, a lot of people won't remember that Florida isn't that good this year and that Missouri was heavily favored in this game. I think they were 11 or 12-point favorite in this game. We won't remember that part. It'll just be remembered in the history books for an epic fourth and 20 conversion to Luther Burden, who's clearly going to be a star at the next level, whose name's going to be around forever and forever in Missouri lore, and Harrison Mevis, who will probably now become the most famous place kicker of all time at Missouri after his exploits this year. Great stuff there. Congratulations, Missouri Tigers. I'm going to be driving into Tiger Country later today up to Excelsior Springs to see my man Mike Robinson at Roberts Robinson Chevrolet GMC. Jessica and I went toy shopping yesterday, and we bought a whole, I got a car full of toys. We're going to be dropping them off at Roberts Robinson today because they're doing their annual toy drive. Meet the Need is the local children's charity in Excelsior Springs to receive Christmas gifts. So they're collecting toys at Roberts Robinson. We'd love it if you donated. Whether you could go there or just hop on Amazon and order a $7 Lego toy and have it shipped to Roberts Robinson in Excelsior Springs. You can find their address on their website. It's easy. And just send it to Mike Robinson and have those toys show up, and that'd be awesome. We've had a couple of listeners say they're doing that. I don't need you to send a bunch. Send a toy to Roberts Robinson. Anything. Anything that you like or you think a kid would like. You don't have to spend a bunch of money. It'll make you feel good. It's the right thing to do, and you don't have to send a whole bunch of toys. Really, just taking five minutes on your phone on Amazon and sending a, a single toy to the dealership is a good thing to do. Roberts Robinson, Chevrolet GMC in Excelsior Springs. Cross Kitchens KC is your remodeling company. A lot of you will be discussing that as you sit down to your Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday. Maybe you're a little crowded or your backsplash and countertops are a little outdated and she's kind of been thinking about it for a couple of years and you haven't pulled the trigger. And maybe you're thinking about staying in your home longer now. And if you are, it really is worth the time to call Tim or Brittany Cross and have them come out to your house. They have a design service as well that can walk you through what they can do for you. They help you pick out all your colors, all your countertops, everything. They give you a 3D rendering of what your home will look like before you make your decision. It's really a cool process. It's fun. There's no pressure and no obligation. There's no cost to sit down and talk to Tim. CrossKitchensKC.com. Plus, you're going to enjoy chatting with him. He looks a little bit like Luke Bryan, which is kind of fun. Free countertops right now. Free countertops. If you call CrossKitchensKC at 816-898-7047. And Aminis at 105th and Metcalf. Yeah, Black Friday this Friday at Aminis is on. Big time discounts, pool tables on big items. You know, when you're buying a big item, the discount really matters, okay? It's not a dollar off something at Walmart. This is something that you can save hundreds on for Black Friday at Aminis. Whether you've always wanted an air hockey table or a really cool shuffleboard table like the one I got at Aminis, or maybe it's billiards or theater seating or a pinball machine, it's at Aminis. 105th and Metcalf in Overland Park, online at Aminis.com. This is Aminis. On to the NFL and the Sunday that was. Couple of notes from the NFL. I like this one. This is my favorite note. I talked about the Cowboys finding out who they are and turning the corner, and they're better offensively. Cowboys have a a cornerback named Deron Bland. D-A-R-O-N, Deron Bland. He's not the most famous guy on the Cowboys. 
Yesterday, he got his fourth pick six of the season. They're just past halfway. We're not even at Thanksgiving. One more for Deron Bland, and he sets an NFL record. How good is it to have four pick sixes? One guy? How good are you if you have four pick sixes? He has as many touchdowns as Travis Kelsey. Let, let, me, let me restate that. The Dallas Cowboys have a cornerback with as many touchdowns as Travis Kelsey. That's just nuts. I mean, certifiably nuts. I was going over the Chiefs injury report today and the Eagles before they play Goddard. The tight end is out for the Eagles tonight. I think they've got a safety out as well. Uh, the Chiefs injury report's pretty clean. Everybody that they listed as injured was full participant in practice except for guys like Bolton that are out or whatever. Um, so I'm, I'm going over this list and I'm coming across these stories about the injury list and how serious NFL teams have to take this, right? You've seen this thing with Joe Burrow from Thursday night? Like I bet on the Bengals Thursday night. Lee Sterling came on last Thursday. And for our patrons, his pick that night was the Bengals. And I liked it. I think they were a two and a half point favorite. All they had to do was go win the game. And so I, 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 I think everybody liked it. And they were getting points and you just love, they were, they were getting points on the road. Oh, they were getting three and a half. They only had to lose by three to the Ravens, right? Yeah, they were getting three and a half. So they just had to hang in there and lose by three to the Ravens and you win your bet. Well, Joe Burrow gets hit and goes out of the game and doesn't return. He's got a broken wrist and he's out for the season. And they showed the shot on TV on the broadcast of him getting off the airplane the night before when they flew to Baltimore and he had a cast or a splint or a wrap on his throwing wrist. He was dressed in regular street clothes, but you could see it that he had, he had a, some doctor had put something on his wrist and was getting off the plane. Okay, no major controversy there, except they never, ever listed him on the injury list. So if Joe Burrow that week had been listed as a wrist injury on his throwing wrist, it would have been the biggest story of the week in the NFL. Nobody I know would have bet on the Bengals that night. We just sat it out or played the Ravens or whatever. It really matters. The NFL is intertwined with betting now. It, it, there's no running from this. The Bengals need to be clobbered. They need to lose a draft pick over this. Not just a big fine, but a draft choice. The NFL needs to take a draft choice away from the Cincinnati Bengals for not reporting a quarterback injury on their injury report. This is an absolute. This is a major deal. Dave Portnoy, who owns Barstool Sports, bet $100,000 on the Bengals in that game. Everybody, all the public were on the Bengals. Everybody liked it. They're, the Bengals are good. They're getting three and a half points. Division game against the Ravens. Great. They just got to keep it close. They could even lose and you can win your bet. It was a good bet. Except nobody knew Joe Burrow was hurt. This needs to be a big, big deal in the NFL. They need to embrace what they are. Uh, two owners, Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones, were co-founders, for crying out loud, of DraftKings. They're, like Some of the owners actually own the gambling companies now. Like it's completely intertwined. It's all one thing. It's all one thing. And they, you know, they've moved to Vegas. Everything, it's on. The Super Bowl's in Vegas this year. It's on. The NFL's like, the world's changed. We're embracing all of this. If you're embracing it, these teams have to be in on this. The Cincinnati Bengals cannot do what they did. 
They cannot keep their quarterback off the injury report. This needs to be a draft choice lost. That's not unprecedented. They've taken draft choices from teams before for cheating, and that's what this would be. This is a bigger scandal than sign stealing. It is. This is a much bigger scandal than sign stealing. It's your quarterback. Rules are rules. You have an injured player, you must list them as injured. There is a reason why, and it's got nothing to do with whether the Ravens know your quarterback's hurt. The rules in place for the betters, for the gamblers. That's why the rules are there. Bengals need to be hammered on this thing. They need to be hammered. And I'm with Dave Portnoy. I think they, they looked at the handle, all the number of bets that were made, the number of people that bet on this game. And if he, he's, Dave Portnoy's filing a class action lawsuit against the NFL. I think he's got it wrong. I think he should file the class action lawsuit against the Cincinnati Bengals. That's who I do it. And I, and furthermore, I'd file a, a personal lawsuit against the head coach, Zach Taylor. Somebody said it, it's going to equate to like a dollar and 71 cents for everyone in the lawsuit. If, if he won, somebody said, well, why don't the gambling companies just pay him back? Well, it's not them. Gambling companies didn't do anything. Sportsbook isn't going to give you your money back on that. It's got nothing to do with them. That's a big, big deal. All right, our news today is brought to you by Window World, simply the best for less, online at windowskansascity.com. It's been raining here the last couple of days. If you're seeing some drips and dribbles walking through, coming through your window, or you're feeling a draft of cool air through your windows, Window World can work in the winter, man. They can do this. They can do most jobs in a day, and they'll wait until we get a nice 50-degree day to do your windows. They also do nice storm doors and siding on your home. WindowsKansasCity.com. Customer service is king. They are the official windows of the Chiefs. Their products are American-made, and they have 0% financing available online at WindowsKansasCity.com. MyPillow.com and the promo code KKHI. Saw a friend over the weekend that bought one of those really expensive pillows. Well, it was Jessica's friend. I went over there to drop her off. She's getting in the car with her friend, and there's a bunch of stuff in her car. One of those things is one of those really expensive Tempur-Pedic pillows, and it's still in the box. I'm like, oh, you got a new pillow. And she goes, yeah, I'm taking it back. I, it's too expensive. I don't like it. I said, get a my pillow." She goes, really? I said, yeah, promo code KKHI. She doesn't listen to my podcast. I'm like, come on. Promo code KKHI at MyPillow.com. Sleep better. They have multiple choices of these great pillows. I've slept on a MyPillow for almost 15 years. I swear by them. I love MyPillow. I absolutely love it. I could spend three times as much, not sleep as well. It's great. In fact, just last week when I washed the sheets, I washed the pillow, and it just brings it completely back to life. It's like it's brand new. These are really good pillows. MyPillow.com, promo code KKHI. Fry Orthodontics, 14 area locations to best serve you. Dr. Jeremy and his staff would love to create a perfect smile for life for your teenager or fix your grill, even if you're like me and you're in your 50s. Got a couple of crooked teeth, let them fix it for you. It's never, ever too late to have a beautiful smile. FryOrthodontics.com, get your first consultation free if you mention Kevin Keatsman has issues. Log on to FryOrthodontics.com where your smile is just the start. And our friends at the Finch Knife Company are just a fantastic Christmas gift idea. The, the pocket knife. What a great gift idea for almost anyone. They got various price points and ranges. Go to their website and see them all. They're absolutely gorgeous. The Flint series is cool. The, the Shiv is really cool that came out. They, they've got awesome pocket knives. FinchKnifeCo.com. These are great local conservative dudes. They're, this is their act two. 
they had a company before and, and sold, and now they started their passion. Their passion is these knives. They love pocket knives. They started their own company a few years ago, and they're kicking butt and taking names. These are awesome pocket knives. Finchknifeco.com. All right, on to the news of the day. January 6th footage was released on Friday. The new Speaker of the House let loose all the footage that hadn't been seen before, and it begs the question, why didn't Kevin McCarthy do this? Do you know what most of this footage is? Most of this footage is people taking selfies with cops or by statues. It's shaking hands with the cops. It's fist bumping the police. It's thanking them for their service. It's patting them on the back. Have you seen it? They kept every single interaction with any MAGA person and a cop thanking them for the work they do. They, they, none of it. We saw none of it. It's everywhere. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of encounters of people walking in thanking the police for the work they do. It is remarkable. It's unbelievable. There is a phone conversation with Nancy Pelosi and Mike Pence that this is weird. It looks like they had the same phone call twice because the phone call is happening. They're saying one thing and then there's another tape of it because she's filmed this documentary thing. And so there's cameras everywhere and all this stuff. So, and they subpoenaed all that. We were able to get all that footage. Her daughter was filming a documentary. It's like they restaged it again because then there's two other people with her in the shot. So much of this stuff was staged and rehearsed. We are finding all kinds of people dressed as Trump supporters with red MAGA hats and, and covered up with hoodies. You can't see their faces and sunglasses that walk into the Capitol and flash their badge to a cop and go past. Like at that point, the cops don't know who the actual MAGA people are and who the other cops are. There were undercover cops everywhere dressed as Trump supporters flashing badges to get in. This stuff is everywhere. It was a hoax. There's, there's video of the Capitol Police firing like smoke bombs into the crowd that started it. There is now a belief that since we've seen this footage before anybody breached the Capitol, that the police fired some smoke bombs on the crowd that incited the riot. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Look, nothing's going to come of it. It's like overturning an election. Nothing's going to come of it. What we have to do is educate the American people to what these sick leftists are up to in this country, what they are doing to us. It is always a setup. And this footage is everywhere. It's truly astounding. This note from Bill Maher's show over the weekend, Bill Maher does the talk shows on HBO or CNN Plus or uh, something. Bill Maher, the comedian turned political pundit. I'm okay with Bill Maher. I think he's pretty, I think he's an honest Democrat. He's too liberal for me, but he's an honest guy. He's a truth teller. I mean, we just say this over and over and over on this podcast. I love truth tellers. But when you tell the truth, it's going to get you in trouble. Bill Maher is a truth teller. He basically called Donna Brazil. Do you know who Donna Brazil is? Donna Brazil is the pundit who's been around and, and, and cheated in the debates for Hillary. Remember, she had the cheating scandal, gave Hillary the questions before the debate and not the other candidates. You remember that? Donna Brazil's still collecting paychecks out there as a political activist and pundit on the left. Donna Brazil calls Vivek Ramaswamy Vivek. And Mar corrects her and says, it's Vivek. He did a rap. It rhymes with cake. It's Vivek. We can at least say it right. We don't have to like the guy, but we can at least say it right. And she calls him Vivek again and says, he just needs to go home. And calls him Vivek again. Ramaswamy, and, and at that point, Bill Maher says, well, that's a little bit racist. 
and and they were kind of cracking up, and he, it wasn't all that serious, and they didn't pursue it. He's basically saying by intentionally saying the man's name wrong, Donna Brazil, a black woman, you are being racist against an Indian American. Vivek Ramaswamy doesn't call himself Indian American. He just says he's American. His parents immigrated here from India, but he doesn't see himself as that. He's just an American, and that's the way he classifies himself. So what does Vivek Ramaswamy do in response to this? He puts on X, what if a white Republican made fun of a black person's name and told them to return home? Whoa. See, I didn't pick up on this when I was watching it. When I heard her say it, I heard her say, go home to Ohio. I didn't hear her say, go home to India. Go back to where you came from. I didn't hear that. But Vivek's playing that card because he can and he should. And this should be getting a lot more media play than it is because it was racist to make fun of his name and still say it wrong when somebody corrects you. And she had been corrected. And it's not hard to say Vivek. It doesn't look like Vivek. Well, now that we know it's Vivek, we should probably all say Vivek. We'll slip up from time to time, but the longer he's around, the more we'll know it is Vivek. There will not, there'll be a point at some point where nobody says Vivek. It'll be Vivek. But then she says he should go home. And I took it as go back to Ohio. I didn't take it as go back to India. But that's the card Ramaswamy's playing, and I love it. Turn that table on those Democrats. Every single chance you can, do it. And Donna Brazil. What if he called her Brazil or Brazier or Dona instead of Donna? What, what if? And as he says, what if a white Republican made fun of a black name and refused to call it the proper way to say it? Good stuff. The reason they don't like Vivek is it's always too truthful. They hate it. He's out there spewing the truth and they can't take it. They don't want to hear the truth. It's remarkable. Uh, make Argentina great again. This is where Taylor and Travis were, right? Last week, Argentina, the populist libertarian, the Trump of Argentina, wins the election this weekend. 56 to 44, it's a trouncing over the socialist. Destroyed them. In a highly polarized Argentina, they have decided they don't like the government very much. This dude is named Javier Malea. He ran around campaigning with a chainsaw, saying he was going to cut all the spending. And he fires the chainsaw up and, and it's spewing smoke and gas and it's just disgusting looking. Now, I don't want to think there was a blade on there spinning. You couldn't really tell from the video I'm watching, but it's a running chainsaw. And we'll hope that the blade was inactive in some way because there's a bunch of people around. He's like in a crowd with a chainsaw. This guy wins. He doesn't just win. This is a beatdown. 56 to 44, Trump congratulated him already. He's known as the Trump of Argentina. It's happening in Spain. There are places all over. There's uprisings of conservatives, libertarians, people that have had it. People that have had it. And Argentina's had enough. They're going to cut their spending. They don't like, hey, they don't like their interest rates. They don't like the cost of things. They don't like the way their government's spending money on things that don't benefit Argentinians. Really? Who knew citizens would want the government to work for them? Cardi B would like her government to work for her. Cardi B is a rapper, a singer. We've talked about Cardi B on this podcast before. She supported Joe Biden. You know, because you're not really black unless you're voting for Biden. If you're not voting for Biden, you're not really black. So Cardi B dutifully has supported Joe Biden until when? Until now. She has joined Taylor Swift, Bruce Springsteen, and others who say they're out on Biden. We got to have somebody else. 
but at least Cardi B speaking some substance. She says, foreign wars are stupid and we shouldn't be spending a nickel in Ukraine or Israel. Those money, those dollars should all be going to our inner cities to help revitalize our cities. Hey, I don't think that money's going to fix the problems in our city, but I'm for it. If they want to go take $200 billion that we're throwing away in Ukraine and spend it in every American city, I'll take it. That's a couple billion in Kansas City. We could put it to a downtown ballpark. I mean, or whatever. It's, it's so much money, it's unfathomable. So at least she makes sense. She says, I'm done with Biden. I supported him in the past, but I'm done supporting him as long as he's funding foreign wars and our cities are crumbling because our cities are killing black people and keeping them impoverished. They're waking up to what the Democrats are. It's so fantastic. Welcome aboard, Cardi B. You can vote for Trump. It's okay. That crazy comedian guy, gosh, I've forgotten his name. He was all over Twitter this weekend. He's an actor, comedian guy. He's been the biggest Trump hater ever. And he took to Twitter and goes, my God, you're going to hate me. You're all going to hate me for this. But if it's Biden and Trump, I got to vote for Trump. He said, I got to. I hate the guy. He said, I despise the guy. I think he's the lowest life form on the planet. I hate him, but he's a better president than Biden. I, I'm, I'm sorry that I've, I can't remember his name. It went viral. Tens of millions of people have seen it. And he is the biggest Trump hater you've ever seen. He's made his name off hating Trump. He's like, if that's all I got on the ballot, I'm going to have to, I can't vote for Biden. Maybe he'll write somebody in, but he's like, I can't vote for Biden. They're all jumping ship on Joe Biden, which by the way is bad for us. And now they're talking about impeachment of Biden. We go doing that, we're going to hurt ourselves. We want this man running. Prop him up in a chair, put some sunglasses on, weekend at Bernie's. Let's get Joe Biden to the election. We need him on the ballot. Our final final today is brought to you by Buck Disposal, online at buckdisposal.com. This is for your job site or your workplace. You have a storefront, a business. A lot of uh, folks have big, giant containers behind their businesses that they have to put a lot of uh, trash or things in on a regular basis. This isn't, a, this isn't a regular dumpster where you just go throw a bag of trash, all right? These are your big disposal containers. When Ron Buck tears apart a roof to put a new roof on, they fill up a container with all the old roofing and then have it hauled off. Well, he started his own company to do that for his roofing operation, and he can do it for you. Whether you're remodeling, like Cross Kitchens could use these on job sites, or companies like that, call Ron Buck at 913-242-7695, or just log on to buckdisposal.com. I got a buddy who's going to get a small one. He says they're getting ready to, to completely clean out their house. They've remodeled. Oh, he's the guy that used uh, Tim Cross over at Cross Kitchens and, and redid their man cave. And now they've got all this stuff that in storage they moved and older furniture. He's like, I'm dumping it all. So I'm getting a container from Buck. We're doing a clean out day and they're going to drop that thing one day and come get it the, the next day and it'll just be gone. Buckdisposal.com. And Jocelyn's Jewelry, this Black Friday, Jocelyn's Jewelry, big time savings. They've always got great prices. What a great place to, to get out and go shopping this weekend. Take your wife, your girlfriend, your significant other with you. Let her pick out something sparkly maybe for the holidays. Or sneak in there all alone and don't let her know what you're up to. Tell her you're going to wash the car. And sneak into Joslyn's. Mention the podcast when you're in there. If you don't mind this holiday season, Joslyn's Jewelry, 95th and Antioch in Overland Park. Our final final comes from a Coldplay concert in Indonesia. Coldplay is a big band. They're very they're a global band. I've seen Coldplay. I saw them in Vegas. They were outstanding. They're the one of those bands that you think, okay, this is going to be Coldplay's all right. They're not really a passion for a lot of people. A lot of people think they're a very safe band. 
that, okay, Coldplay's good, but they're, they're just safe. Chris Martin, their lead is outstanding. He plays the piano and sings. He's, he's terrific. And these guys are all like runners, like marathon, not like they run every day on the road. They're like health freaks. So they run around the stage a lot. You get there and you're like, wow, their show's actually better than their music. Their music's good, but it's pretty safe. And then you go to the show and you're like, man, that was like a revival. That was really cool. Coldplay's good. They're in Indonesia, 70,000 seat stadium, 500 Muslims protesting outside because Coldplay supports LGBTQ lifestyles. Well, I think most Americans support it. You're okay with it. You don't think there should be a law against it. You don't think somebody should be in prison for it. But 500 Muslim protesters, these are just outwardly anti-gay people. Like, uh uh-uh, you can't be gay. These are Muslims that live in Indonesia. And then the, the foreign minister, one of the ministers of something, not the head guy, but the number two guy in Indonesia, puts out a press statement and says, we stand with the Muslims outside the Coldplay concert, and we need to start asking ourselves, should we have these bands and people performing in our country when our country has six religions, six official religions in the Constitution in Indonesia? This was in Jakarta. In Indonesia, they have six recognized religions in Indonesia. All six are anti-gay. In no way, shape, or form can you be gay in Indonesia. Okay. Um, man, we got bigger problems than that in this country, but 500 Muslims right out there. I'm, I'm pretty sure Hamas doesn't really support the gay lifestyle either. While we're at it, while we're keeping score on these things, Hamas is probably out on that as well. It's a holiday week, but we're here. You're going to be watching all your other TV shows and listening to radio things. things. You, everybody's going to be on vacation, but not Kev. We are here for you at Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. So we're, doing, uh, we're going to do four podcasts this week. And we hope you enjoy those. We'll do a, a football feast later in the week, a little pigskin picks. We'll have Lee on to get you ready for Thanksgiving Day. And then the weekend, regular podcast Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We'll probably do a couple of patron podcasts as well. Love to have you sign up as a patron. Hey, how about that for a Christmas present this year? Tell your spouse you want a patron membership at Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Go to kkhasissues.com and get signed up. We do about three podcasts and a, and a newsletter every week for our premium content. And that's only $5 a month. So that's a whole lot. That's like 12 podcasts and four or five newsletters every month for just five bucks. Go to kkhasissues.com. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. (laughs) 